your Bibles this morning, the book of James, James chapter number 5. James 5 and James the book is primarily written to Christian people. And uh, there's some exciting truths and some things that are very helpful in this passage of Scripture. And in chapter number 5, when you come to the first six verses, as a preacher, when you're preparing a message, I'm, I'm reading this text and want to understand the text. And then I'm looking for uh, folks who've preached it before and studied it before and know smarter than me, which isn't hard to find. And I'm looking for help. And uh, sometimes as you study through a scripture and you find places, you'll find sections of scripture where a lot of folks have been tempted to jump across it. And uh, this is one of those passages of scripture that's rarely dealt with, and I'm not claiming to be special, and I can, but there's some interesting things here that are helpful, and I, it's kind of fun because someone came up to me just a little while ago after the early service and said, that was an unusual message, and, uh, and I said, well, thank you, and uh, they meant it well. I said, uh, I said, I don't come up with the messages. God comes up with the message. I just preach what's there, and uh, I'm excited to share this passage of Scripture with you. Today's message is titled this, Three Things Riches cannot prevent. Three things riches cannot prevent. And often I think a passage of scripture like this is passed over because it can become a bit uncomfortable to deal with the subject of riches. But I believe as we go through this passage of scripture and as I begin to explain and show you some things in God's word, I think that you'll be forced to agree almost without exception that among us we are all blessed with riches. And uh, I'm confident that we are all, in a certain light, rich men because of the many blessings of God that we have at this moment in our lives. And uh, I'm looking forward to sharing this with you. Three things riches cannot prevent. The Bible says in James chapter number 5, beginning in verse number 1, Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth, and the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. Ye have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanton. Ye have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. Ye have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. And we'll stop there, take our message today. Three things riches cannot prevent. Let's just begin here in verse 1. The Bible says, Go to now, ye rich men. Now, the first phrase, go to now, it's a, it's a call. Hey, listen, pay attention. Uh, wake up, listen up. How many of you ever had to say to your kids, listen up now, right now, listen to me. Hey, <laughs> that's what James is doing. Listen, pay attention. He's done it recently in this book of the Bible, just a few verses ago. If you look back in chapter 4, verse number 13, uh, literally just five verses prior, the Bible says, Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. And the, the, he's, he's like, Hey, listen, 
If you think that you can plan your life and leave God out, you've got another thing coming. And then we come back to verse number 1, and the subject matter is very, very similar. The Bible says, hey, go to now, ye rich men. Rich men. Now, who in the world's a rich man? Uh, most people uh, would not refer to themselves as a rich man. But I want you to see something in God's Word, and I would about guarantee you that the majority of us present today are rich men and rich women. Uh, some things that we can see here. Uh, there's an emphasis in this text on uh, verse number 2. It says, uh, "Riches, your riches are corrupted, your garments are moth-eaten. Uh, most of the time, in this Bible time and in biblical society, and literally up until just a hundred years ago, uh, riches and a rich man was someone uh, ultimately that had plenty to eat and decent clothes to wear. Uh, if you're here today and you've got plenty to eat and decent clothes to wear, uh, by the Bible standards, you're rich. And actually, by the standard of the world in which we live, you are rich. How many of you have ever been to a third world country? Uh, uh, when you go to a third world country, you leave that place coming home realizing, my lands, I am rich. You know, riches are connected to food and clothing. There's an interesting thing that took place in New York City in the 1800s. In 1869, there was a club founded, and it was called the Fat Man's Club. The Fat Man's Club was founded in 1869 because in 1869, if you were a fat man, it was an evidence that you were wealthy. It was something to be proud of. As a matter of fact, if you wanted to be part of this club, you had to weigh at least 200 pounds. And once you'd reached 200 pounds and you, you joined this club, you became, became a person that had prestige in society because it was evident that you had plenty to eat. <laughs> so I want to tell you today, if you're here and you weigh over 200 pounds, you're rich. <laughs> I've been rich since seventh grade. It's a funny thought, but it's so real. We are so blessed. And we've got to be careful because when the Bible talks about rich men and riches, we cannot say, well, that's for somebody else. We have to understand that this message and these truths, when we uh, see these people who are planning their lives because they have abundance, we can't excuse ourselves from being rich because we are if you've got plenty to eat and clothes to wear, you're a blessed person. And when we get into a society and a situation in our world, in our lives, where we have what we need and we don't have to work really hard for it, then it becomes very possible that we will develop a mindset that says riches is what makes me happy. Material things and wealth and more wealth is what will make me happy, what will satisfy me, what will bless me, what will help me. And when we come to this passage of Scripture, James is reminding the people in the church. He says, now listen, you rich men, don't be fooled into believing 
That life with its possessions without God is genuinely and truly blessed. It's just not so. You see, God does not hate rich people. There's a movement all over our world that despises people that have things. That's not how God works. God doesn't despise people that have things. As a matter of fact, I believe God blesses us with, with things along the way. Things are not the evidence of God's blessing, but God is good to us. And it's okay to have some things. Let's talk about some rich men that God blessed and used through the Bible. Abraham was a rich man. Isaac, his boy, he was rich too. Jacob was full of wealth. Job was a rich man. Joseph was wealthy. At one time in Joseph's life, he was second in command in the most powerful nation in all the world. God didn't despise Joseph's riches. David was a rich man. In the New Testament, it's believed and there's proof to testify to the fact that Barnabas was a rich man. How about Joseph Arimathea? You remember him? God used a rich man to provide an empty tomb for Jesus to stay in, but just for three days. It's good. It's not bad. It's not bad to have things. But I'll tell you, it's not bad to have things, but it's a bad thing when things have you. And it's easy to get to the place where we let things have us and possess us and run us and rule us. So James is sending a word to the church. He says, you be careful. Wake up. Be careful, rich men. You see, there's also some very negative examples of the Bible of what the love of money or the yearning for riches does. Just in our Sunday school class last week, we went to the book of Joshua and talked about Achan. Achan saw the riches of the people of Jericho and hid them in his home and judgment fell on his house and cost the nation of Israel dearly. Delilah, the wife of Samson, sold out Samson's secret for a portion of money. She thought somehow that a little bit of money would be better than faithfulness to her man. How about Solomon? He was a rich man. But the more riches Solomon had, the more riches Solomon wanted. And Solomon did all kinds of awful things that even led him to paganism in order to get more and to have more influence and to be richer. In the New Testament, Ananias and Sapphira wanted to put on the appearance of wealth and Declared to the church that they'd given all they had, but they hadn't. And it cost them their lives. How about this guy, Judas Iscariot? You remember him? Can you imagine getting to the place where you think that 30 pieces of silver is more valuable than Jesus? That's where he was. And we may say in our hearts, well, I'll tell you, I'd never do that. But you wait just a second. What is it that you're pursuing, that you're pursuing to the neglect of your relationship to Jesus Christ. Just like Judas, you believe that that possession and the riches of this world is more valuable than Jesus. 
Judas thought somehow in a demented state that 30 pieces of silver was better than a relationship with the creator of the universe. But we fall into that trap. Oh, how many Christian people over an inheritance or over a piece of money or over a thing have allowed bitterness and anger and wrath to boil up inside of them for years and years to come. It's not strange. As a matter of fact, it happens over and over and over and over again. Why? Because we have deceived ourselves into believing that having some riches or having some thing is better than having peace with God. Better than having a relationship with our families. Better than... Jesus. And just like Judas Iscariot, we've fallen into the trap, the rich man trap, that says, if I could have this, then I could be happy. Let me tell you something. You can have this and be happy, or you can be without this and have, be happy if you have Jesus. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ must come first. Because I'm going to have you know something. There are a lot of things that riches cannot provide for you and God give it all to us folks there may be a rare exception in this room today of someone who's not rich but I don't know of it and as rich men and rich women as rich children as rich people we've got to remember something that it is very easy to be consumed with our riches. And we be reminded that it's not the pursuit of something that will satisfy the yearning of our soul. It is the pursuit of someone that will satisfy the yearning of our soul. And that's our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we meet Him in God's Word. God does not despise rich people. Aren't you glad, considering how rich we are? He doesn't despise rich people. He doesn't condemn rich people. Someone said it like this, God will not condemn a man for his riches. But he will ask, number one, how did you get it? And he will ask, number two, what did you do with it? May the Lord help us to take the blessing of God and apply it appropriately and put Jesus first. You see, the great error in life is not having food and clothing and shelter and the blessings of God and things. The great error is not having them. The great error is being deceived into believing that having more of this world is what will make us happy. But it won't. You see, there's three things riches cannot prevent. And let's just take time to look at them. Number one, riches, number one, do not prevent suffering. They do not prevent suffering. Oh, so many people are looking for things to prevent suffering. But I want you to know something. I hate to tell you this, but it's just true. All of our lives have suffering. All of our lives have suffering. Look, we're going to suffer loss. We're going to suffer uh, from our Decaying health. You know, it may be a little depressing, but what do we have to look forward to? We have, we have 
If we don't die right now in our youth, we, have, we get to look forward to being old and falling apart and dying then, you know. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> but listen, if you have riches or you don't have riches, there is going to be suffering in life. It's going to happen. Life's not easy. Life is hard. That's one of the sweetest truths about knowing Jesus as your Savior and heaven as your home because for all of eternity, there will be no suffering. But while we're here, we need God's grace and God's strength and God's mercy and God's blessing and God's presence in order to just survive because life is rich with suffering. I know godly people who are suffering. I know wicked people are suffering. I know poor people who are suffering, and I know rich people are suffering. And suffering is part of life, but I'll have you know something. Riches cannot and will not prevent suffering. Here's what the scripture says. Verse 1, go to now, you rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Hmm. What's he say? Well, he's just, James is just in the business of encouraging people. I want to have a positive message. <laughs> Let me tell people stuff and make them feel good. <laughs> no, he's a Bible preacher. He tells you the truth so you can deal with the truth and get the peace of God as you deal with the realities of life. I'd rather have it that way, wouldn't you? He says, go to now, you rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. One, you need to know this, no matter how much riches you have, there still will be suffering. Number two, you need to remember, rich men, your misery shall come upon you. You need to understand that the pursuit of more riches will not prevent the suffering. It happens. It's going to happen. Do you know what you need as you face life? You need a relationship with your creator. Because it's only he that can give you the strength to bear with the burdens that life will throw at you. And you know what's sweet about knowing Jesus? Not only can you bear the sufferings, but you can thrive in the midst of the troubles of life because God is with you. He's promised he'll never leave you nor forsake you. You can thrive in the difficulties because God's presence is with you. His peace is on you. His spirit indwells you. That's sweet. Remember this. Riches do not prevent suffering. So if you're going to pursue something that will give you relief from the burdens of life, by all means pursue God through his word and you'll find Jesus Christ, the only Savior. That's how it works. You see, riches do not prevent suffering. Number two, riches do not prevent decay and death. Riches do not prevent decay and death. So the scripture continues in verse number two. It reminds, us, it reminds all of us rich men what's going to happen to our riches. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Have you ever bought a, a new vehicle and the years have come and went and now that brand new vehicle that's not brand new anymore has some rust on it? 
I've got one like that. There's a really nice rust hole. As soon as you open the door, right there, there's a big, nice rust hole. You can see sunlight on the, on the ground. It's great. But that's what happens. You know, your riches, they're, they're corruptible. They don't last forever. The Bible says your garments are moth-eaten. How many of you ever had a garment eaten by a moth? Uh, how many of you had a grandmother that used mothballs? Would you raise your hand? I'll tell you. How many of you like, let's just poll, keep polling the audience. How many of you love the smell of mothballs? Would you raise your hand? How many of you hate the smell of mothballs? Would you raise your hand? I see that hand. I actually love the smell of mothballs. Uh, when I was a little boy, uh, my mama Sturgill, Barbara Sturgill, uh, we'd go to Dick and Barbara's house as kids, and she was the mothball queen. I don't know if as she was a kid, all of her clothes got eaten by moths one time or not, but she always had mothballs in the closet. And I remember as a kid, we'd go there. If you left your clothes at Mamaw's house, the, uh, uh, they would get washed, and they would be put in the closet or put somewhere near mothballs because I could always tell when I was putting on a shirt or something that had been to Mamaw uh, Sturgill's house. I'd grab it. Oh, that glorious smell of mothballs. I love it. I love it. <laughs> the picture here is uh, the moth. It, it'll destroy your clothes. And riches are determined by food and clothing, ultimately. It'll destroy your clothes. And the Bible says, look, your riches are corrupted. They're moth-eaten. Verse number 3. Your gold and silver is cankered. You see that? Cankered. It's got, it's got pits and it's... Decaying, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you. What's that mean? The rust on your treasures witnesses against you. Let me tell you something. The things that we put so much effort and so much stake in, they are decaying. Is it wrong to have them? No. But it's wrong to trust in them. It's wrong to pursue them in the place of God because riches do not prevent decay. The Bible says, the rust of them shall be a witness against you. I was fishing a few years ago on a lake. We were bass fishing and it was a lot of fun. I was on a nice boat fishing. And we're in this, uh, we're right along the edge of the water, and there's beautiful homes on the lake. They're, they're beautiful. I was, I was impressed. I, I was happy for those people. Big, beautiful docks and beautiful homes. And we rode up in this cove fishing, fishing docks. And uh, as we went up in the cove, uh, on my right, there was this really awesome-looking old house. The only problem was it was overgrown. But you could look at it and tell that was some spectacle from the 1960s. We, as we came on to it, it was, uh, it was dilapidating and, and falling, but you could tell by the finish, and you could tell by the way that things had been done. In 1965, someone was at the very top of their game. I mean, they had invested a fortune in this place. It was beautiful, except it was falling apart. So we came up on the... On there, was fishing the dock. There was a boathouse right there. And you could peep through the dirty windows. And in those dirty windows, in that boathouse, was a boat from the 60s that would have been the best of the best. But is dust-covered and moth-eaten and decayed. Along with everything else there. And I'll never forget, I thought about that place. I thought, wow. In 1965, this was 
the place to be. But something happened. I don't know the story. But something happened. It's the same thing that happens to all riches over time. They decay. You've heard the preacher say, you don't don't ever see a hearse with a U-Haul hooked to it. It's true. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with a lake house and a boat. That's fine. But if you think somehow there are things that you can possess that's going to prevent decay and death, you're wrong. So we've got to keep our hearts and our minds fixed on the fact that riches are okay and God blesses people with things. But the thing that we need is Jesus first. Riches do not prevent death and decay. The Bible says in verse 3, Your gold and silver is cankered. The rust of them shall be a witness against you and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. You have heaped treasures together for the last days. Let me tell you something. There's no amount of treasures that can prepare you for the coming of Christ. Only He can prepare you for His coming. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. You see, riches do not prevent decay and death. The riches of the richest of the rich ultimately find their way to the grave. I think about that sometimes. I think about that sometimes. And it saddens my heart. I've never despised a wealthy person at all. I'm happy. I'm glad for them. But it also burdens my heart to think of how many people have lived their lives and because of their riches they've been oblivious to their need of God. They've allowed things to constantly console them and distract them from their need for a Savior. And they live it up for 70 or 80 or 90 or 100 years. But at the end comes death. What then? I'm just saying that riches do not prevent decay and death. Finally, number three, riches do not prevent judgment. Riches do not prevent judgment. And we change a little bit and begin to look at a different side of this and this person, these rich men. The Bible says, Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth, and the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. Now, he gives us this picture. He said, now listen, some of you have got your riches the wrong way. Some of you have gotten your riches to the harm of other people. Folks, that's never right. Nothing wrong with getting the riches. But there's something wrong with getting the riches to the harm of other people. He says, behold the hire. He says, I want you to know, you may have plenty and you may be rich, but God knows and hears the cries of the people that you've heard on the way to the top. It's just a reminder to all of us as we pursue success in life, we need to be reminded that we've got to do it righteously. Remember, God doesn't blame you or 
hate you for being rich. He does ask, how did you get it? We need to know something that our sin will be judged. Our, our end will be in the face of God. The Bible says it's appointed a man wants to die. And after this, the judgment. The Bible says in verse 5, Ye have lived in pleasure on the earth. That's good. It's okay. He says, now remember, you've lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanton. Now, when I first read this, I thought, oh man, it's a contrast. It's like you've been in pleasure, but now you're want. You're in want. But the word wanton is not that at all. It's actually you lived in pleasure and you've been wanton. It's just an exclamation point. If you are wanton, it means that you have no want. You, you just, you're not wanton. I mean, you are, if you are wanton, you have experiences and, and, uh, and, Fun and riches and wealth, you're wanting. It's just, it's just like you're, you've experienced this and you keep experiencing this. As you say, it says you have, uh, da, da, da. you have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanting. You've had pleasure and much pleasure. The Bible says you have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. Now, when I first saw that, I was like, what in the world do you mean by that, Lord? Because I thought, well, that you've, you've nourished, you've fattened yourself up for the slaughter. But that's not what it means either. This whole verse has everything to do with you've, you've had riches and riches and riches and riches and riches and riches. So the Bible says you, you have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. How many of you ever had a, a, a pig picking? How many of you ever killed a hog and got it ready and cooked that thing? How many of you ever done that? That's the day of slaughter, okay? Now, how many of you have experienced this at the day of slaughter? I have, and I'm thankful for it every time. I like to hang out with the guy that's cooking the pig. You know why? Because all day long, you've got to cut this little piece of that pig off and make sure it's going to be okay for the people you're going to serve after a while. Many times I've been in a pig picking or a barbecue, or it's even better if it's beef, uh, where I've just had piece here and a piece there and a piece here and a piece there and it comes time we pray and everybody goes through the line and I'm like mm, I don't know if I can eat anymore and the Bible says you've nourished your hearts as in the day of a slaughter now, that's what it means that means you're full as a tick it means you've got everything you got everything you got all you could ever want you got everything you dreamed of years ago but if you've left Jesus out, really, you don't have what matters. Really, you don't have what matters. I'm reminded of that old guy in Luke chapter number 12. You remember him? The Bible calls him the rich fool. I mean, he had... Bumper crops, and he said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down my barns, and I'm going to build great big ones, and I'm going to fill my barns up, and I'm going to fill them up so full that for the rest of my life, I'm not going to have to work. I'm going to kick back. I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with retiring. But there is something wrong with living your life without any consideration and of God. And Jesus, in giving that parable, the rich fool says, 
Thou fool. Today your soul is required of you. And when you face the judgment of God, what do you have? Without Jesus, you have nothing. You know what the Bible says? What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? I tell you, my heart breaks for any person who's lived life for riches, whether they've got them or not, who's lived life for riches and left Jesus out. Because I want you to understand something. Riches do not prevent the judgment of God. You see, one of two things is going to happen. One, you're going to breathe your last breath on this earth. and Your next will be in the presence of God where you'll be judged righteously. The only judgment that passes the righteous judgment of Christ... It's people who've put their trust in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Folks, according to the scriptures, if you've not humbled yourself and repented of your sin and asked Jesus to be your Savior, the judgment of God will fall on you. And without regard to the riches that you've experienced in life, eternity, you'll be separated from God in a place called hell. Folks, I'm so thankful that I can tell you that if you have repented of your sins and trusted in Jesus, <laughs> you have the treasure. You have the treasure of the forgiveness of sin, not the wrath of God but the blessing of God and eternity with Christ himself. You see, riches do not prevent judgment. And we've got to be careful because we're all rich. We all have the tendency to be deceived that if we can have health and wealth and prosperity, then we can be happy. But let me tell you something. The most important things in life and eternity are not provided to you through the riches of this world. They're a blessing. God's good to us. But they don't prevent suffering. They don't prevent decay and death. They don't prevent judgment. But Jesus does. God loves you. We're all sinners. Jesus paid the price for our sins on the cross of Calvary. We must personally, there must come a time that we personally pray and receive Jesus by faith as our Savior. If you've never been saved, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you don't know if you have or not, you need to make that right today. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says, with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Hmm. Our hope for eternity is found in one place, one person. It's our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. He died on the cross. He was buried. He rose again. So you and I can have 
everlasting life and face the judgment of our sin through the righteousness of God. Hey, look, don't be duped by your riches. We're all rich. Don't be fooled by your riches. Don't be fooled by the pursuit of riches. Seek Jesus. Be saved. Put God first. Mm. It'll be good. It'll be right. It's what we need. Let's pray.